Danny. Hey, Lance. Halloween 666. It's my favorite movie, kind of. Halloween 2 is actually my favorite movie, but I've put Halloween 6 up this entire podcast. Yeah, it's up there. Because I really want to talk about it, because I love what the writer did with this. Danny, do you like the movie? I like the movie. Okay, give us our pumpkin spice latte of the movie, then. Halloween 6. The Curse of Michael Myers. The Curse of Michael Myers, uh, which is brilliantly illustrated in that poster that I'm actually pretty fond of. Uh, seems to be trying to go back a little bit to the original poster. Very nice. But uh, Michael wearing a glove never wears a glove. That's right. Uh, but anyway, anyway, uh, Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers picks up roughly six years. Conveniently, it's six years. Uh, six years, right? 95. All right. Six years later, Jamie Lloyd... The character has returned, um, but is no longer being played by Daniel Harris. Whoa. Uh, Lance will get into that a little bit later um, as to why. But uh, it is played by uh, a new actor who uh, the movie opens with Jamie Lloyd uh, on a hospital bed being rushed to give birth. She is pregnant and she's going through child labor uh, as the movie opens. Um she is screaming and basically has a child. Jamie Lloyd, Michael Myers' niece, has a son who is now, that is now Michael Myers' nephew. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, if your niece has a daughter. Great niece? Yeah. Great nephew? Yeah. yeah. Once her, okay, thing? sure. I, I don't, don't know. know. Um, but anyway, they're family, right? So uh, the movie takes place in this idea that there is a cult of Thorn, which is the body that navigates and controls Michael Myers, because you can do that now. And uh, it has decided to try and, ins- and, and, and get this baby to be the new Michael Myers to carry on because he can't do this forever. He's evil, but evil. He's got to pass on the torch. He's got to retire. Work out. He's got to retire. His his Diet on base did not work out. His on base percentage has gone way down. <laughs> Slowly, after old blockhead took the reins. <laughs> oh gosh, I can't get away from it. Never. All right, um, that's probably the last time I'm in. No, it's okay. Um, so anyway, um, the story uh, takes place. Yeah, it, it is the movie takes place in Haddonfield once again. Um, the town has now since banned Halloween because they learned a lesson. Finally. And um, it gives us the wonderful uh, and introducing Paul Rudd. Technically, yes. Paul Rudd is this, introduced. Yes, this is. Yes, he is introduced. We'll talk He's about introduced in, in, in is one of his first films. Uh, Paul Rudd uh, plays a grown up Tommy Doyle from part one. Yes. Who is the conspiracy theorist. Charlie from Always Sunny in Philadelphia sort of connecting the dots. That is what Tommy Doyle is. It also gives us our last, last on-screen performance of one Donald Pleasance, at least for sure, in the Halloween series. He died shortly after this movie uh, completed and was released in theaters. And that is the that is the movie. It is the it is the race to protect uh Jamie's son from uh, Michael, who wants to capture the son or to kill it or to uh, the curse of the cult of Thorn wants to catch it to make him the new Michael. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's about cults. And um, but Michael's back and played again by George P. Wilbur from part four. Hockey pad less less and uh, yeah um, kind of overweight but Michael's reaching his late thirties at this point so you know it's it, it, he's okay. not he's not a spry chicken you, you know? know what he doesn't have the mountain man feeding him for a year at a time but he has probably yeah. taking care of all his shit for him and apparently has been taking care of him and taught him how to drive in Halloween one okay let's get into I don't even know where to start. Should I start with the reason I know so much about this fucking film? Why I love this film? Yes, please. I would love to know just this. All of it. Just yes is the answer. Yeah, I want to know why this is up is up is one of your favorite films. Because I want to know why this is up there as your favorite film. Because this film came out in 1995. Okay, uh, a few years the birth of the internet, basically for the consumer. Sure. For us. So growing up having the internet, I was a huge Michael Myers fan. So give it a few years after this movie comes out. 
this movie comes out while I'm in my fandom of watching four and five. Mm-hmm. And the trailer looks terrifying. I hear it's gory as hell. And Michael Myers terrifies me at this at this age. I'm only like seven, eight, nine years old, somewhere in there. So give it a few years. I'm a huge fan. I finally see the movie. I'm actually terrified by by the film. But now I have the internet at my disposal. And I get to go and do some research about Michael Myers and this Halloween film. And Dan Fer- Farron? Dan Farron is the writer of this mm-hmm. film. Basically, the studio went out and they found a fan. Basically, he is a writer and he went to college and all this kind of stuff. But they found a fan of the film to write this thing. And his whole idea is I'm going to connect the dots between every single film of the Halloween franchise. I'm going to wrap it up in a big bow with all the plot holes. So what does he do? He goes back. He goes, guys, what's up with the guy? What's up with the man in black? Right. Nobody has an answer for him. Yeah. Not one answer. He goes, okay, let me add that to the list of bullshit I have to clean up. (laughs) So he does. He goes back to uh, Dr. Wynn in the original movie. The fact that Dr. Wynn has one minor conversation with Loomis. Yep. Which Danny can probably fill you in a little bit more on. Uh, I'm not responsible, Sam. Oh, no. You should have. Your warnings weren't good enough. We, we we put up a, a bullet. You put up an all points bulletin in a roadblock when it's up a five year old. Anyway, a very minor character yeah. I get, but we go back and we pull that out. We pull out and Dr. also Wynn. Loomis's line about Michael's doing great driving last night, right? Yeah, that's right. He was let's, doing very well last night. Let's tie that up as well. So this movie gets made. It gets released. Not great reviews. It's Okay. I remember review sticking out the scariest movie and or scariest Halloween of all time. I did. I remember reading that. There is, there's a modernization to it. It's the mid '90s. This is the first '90s horror, uh, and it's a long. It's been a long break for Michael, and he was last in '89, the debacle of Halloween Five. Uh, so it's a lot. There's been a long gap, and ho- and slashers have started to die. I mean, really, from the '80s, it's been a it's been a rough patch for elm street and uh jason and all these slasher movies are starting to kind of die so go back to internet lands finding out that there is a producer's cut of this film not the writer's cut because this film was redone so many fucking times the original title of the film and the reason i call it halloween 666 is because that was the original title and the title that we landed on the curse of michael myers was literally Dan Ferran writing it on his 20th rewrite of the script, of his forced rewrite, and putting the curse of Michael Myers, and it stuck. The suits made it stick, <laughs> and it's awful, oh, and it's man. way too bad. Uh, it kind of makes sense, the curse, having the cult and everything. Also, in the 90s, in my small town, cults were a big thing. Oh, sure. But we had like... We had like the good old school cults. Oh, you we got had, you had the good cults. We had the the vampire gothy kids back then with like the long <laughs> cool trench coats. Oh. They weren't even trench coats. They were like the the um, dusters. The, yeah, dude. Like <laughs> the good. Where are you goths? Like I miss those goths. They're all gone. They're all like the hot topicy like trendy yeah. goths now, and I kind of miss the good old school ones that I grew up with. Nothing's so, worse than a trendy goth. <sighs> well, they're all over now. But I'm not talking shit on it. I just miss. You got to have diversity when it comes to goth. I got you. That's where I'm at. I grew up with that part of it. There's this rock and roll uh, wailing and screaming to the movie. It's a modernization of Michael Myers. There's something about it that I just love. It it ties into the grunge era. I love Dan Farron. Dan Farron taking on everything of the franchise and trying to make this great movie and tie everything together, every plot hole we've ever had. I mean, it's tough. It's tough. Um, speaking of the grunge and um, all that stuff, uh, there was uh, the... Uh, we're entering a weird moment in horror movies where you mentioned the slashers are done, but the slashers are not done done. They're just going to be MTV-ified. Yes. Um, so this is pre creed uh mtv it's funny funny you mentioned that okay so this is the first horror film with dimension you know what the second one was in 1996 
Scream, the rebirth of the slasher. Oh man! Yeah, wow, that's some that's some horror trivia. I've been for waiting you. to drop that on you, Danny. That's some horror <laughs> trivia for you. Um, uh, yeah, it has to go without. It has to go. You know, you have to mention that dimension. Uh, you know, bit of a bit of a weird uh, sort of. Uh, you know, you know who ran that. Yeah, you know? we do, and he had a lot to do with the film that we ended up with. Uh, yeah, a lot of the gore and all the the extras of this movie. We're talking about Harvey Weinstein yes. was a uh, Miramax uh, Dimension hybrid, and eventually uh, was definitely uh, very much in charge of Dimension at this time. Yes. Um, also worth mentioning as Quentin Tarantino was attached to write this film and yeah. direct it uh it was one of those like hollywood ploys i th- believe just to just to get get somebody interest. to make more or sure yeah yeah or somebody to spend more or something right it was it was something he was never actually going to be a part of but the name was floated out there to to gather interest or well you know imagine that for two seconds a quentin tarantino written Halloween six would be nothing but talking. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it would be nothing but talking and over character th- that we all want to see that does not talk. Right. It'd be a lot of Loomis though. That'd it would be great. Be. Um and one of the saddest things about this movie is, is what this movie is is where we see Loomis. Um yeah. you know, six years is six years. And you know, when you're already uh kind of going up there in your golden years for Loomis, meaning Donald Pleasance. Uh, you know, he, uh, he looked up, you know, he was a little bit more frail. Uh, I, I know his health wasn't great at the time, mm-hmm. even then, um, he was still, you know, relatively, uh, he wasn't old, but he wasn't young. Um, I forget the age, but I knew he had some health problems. Uh, but like the trooper and loyal, you know, staple of the series that he is, he decided, yeah, I'm going to do it. And they mm-hmm. they had a part for him. He played a, um, living out in the country, retired, Donald, uh, Dr. Loomis, who's writing his uh, memoirs yes. and writing his life story, which, gosh, if that could only be, if we could only <laughs> read the real Dr. Loomis characters' memoirs, that would be fantastic. That would be so cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, is it all is tied into this sort of, um, yeah, the digital age is being born, like you said, for the consumer. So it's this, uh, it's it's the... AOL, it's the you know DVD ROMs, but it's also that marriage between other sort of multimedia aspects, which in this case revolves around a uh, call-in talk show. Yeah, uh, the Barry Sims show. Yes, um, which is very very interesting because um, you have this sense of when they're calling in and they're like, the topic tonight is Michael Myers, right. and it's like when you start to over discuss something it seems to lose its how scary it is okay you know like you it loses its power mm-hmm. if you like dissect it almost to its uh to the nth degree so if you guys want to be scared by halloween don't watch this because uh, we have done that <laughs> no uh what i mean is like they're calling in it's like it's working when when people start humanizing like what was Ted Bundy doing when he wasn't, you know, killing people? Like, you know, what was it? Where were his daily routines? And then there's like people on how they view Michael Myers. And then they have all these like conspiracy theories. So there's almost like a laugh and a lackadaisical approach to a very serious problem in this talk show. What's the serious problem? Michael Myers. Oh, uh, yeah. But it's also that inter- that introduction of platform. And I'm on the radio and this is how I see Michael Myers. One chick talks about he's sexy. You know? Yeah. And one and, dude talks about how he's he's run by the government. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which was almost a concept for this film, I believe. I think it was this one or the one after. I can't remember. But yeah. He mentions that, you know, they ship Myers off to space, man. You want to know the facts. Yeah. Right. This conspiracy of Michael Myers. But again, for me, it's that world building. It's the legend of Michael Myers in Hattonfield and this radio show host who really is facilitating where Michael's been in Hattonfield for the last six years. Yep. There's a lot of mystery behind it because the the prison blew up. We're acknowledging that we're acknowledging everything in the series so far, except yeah. for three kind of for sixes. Best judgment. They are they are seeing it as a direct continuity from one, two, four, five, six. That's what six is believing. Mm-hmm. In the grand scheme of things, 
four, five, and six are completely ignored and by themselves, um, which kind of sucks because they made a really hard effort to tie into the originals, which you're supposed to do at right. that point. Uh, but just to, they kind of were just you know discarded a bit. So um, six is uh, yeah picking up six years later. Um, like I mentioned, Paul Rudd is in this as a grown-up Tommy Doyle, yes. who has dove. He would be a QAnon reader if 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 he was in this day and age. He would be, you know, reading these uh, threads, these conspiracies, and following down the rabbit hole. But he, but it's one purpose and one purpose only. He knows Michael Myers is alive, and he knows he believes he knows how to stop the boogeyman. Right, and he's a survivor of the boogeyman. That's right. Of um, this boogeyman of Hattonfield, he's an actual survivor. Not many people, because he says, "I know, I know." A lot of people talk about him, but I saw him, right? Which is what he calls into the Barry Sims show, which is cool to see that and that uh, that screensaver that comes up with that blue Myers yeah. face. <laughs> that was my screensaver for I don't know how many years. Yeah, it's it, almost, it's almost that. that. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, like he's a little, he's a little plumpy, but it's just a blue Myers face that just appears on his screen. Um, but yeah, that that Barry Sims show is such an interesting sort of it's a, it's a nice little like uh addition and like a uh, uh, uh an added bonus to the whole movie yeah. because it's like uh it's a way to divulge information it's a way to ingest information but it's also a new way to that you're you're kind of like wow this is not what i would expect from a halloween movie look how far we've come right we've we you know yeah the the years have gone on and the technology has advanced but now we're doing a talk radio show where we're talking about michael and again you're acknowledging finally that all these things happen because how many times have they looked at loomis like he's nuts right michael's dead michael's dead now now we're going to talk about it and everyone's got an opinion about it and an attraction to it or whatever it sure. is and that's again that introduction of platform and like Oh, I know something about this. I know something about this. And Tommy Doyle coming in, a young Paul Rudd, who this is technically the first movie that he filmed. Clueless comes out before Halloween oh. as like a summer film. Halloween comes out as a late summer, early right. uh, October film. Um, so this was the first film he movie he filmed. First but, movie he filmed. Clueless came out before. Clueless came out before. Well, there we are. But I like seeing this good looking creepy dude. He's like he's he's very he's yeah. off. He plays it well, and you know, um, we see Paul Rudd, and we see that he hasn't uh, today hasn't aged a goddamn day because um, <laughs> he's obviously the cult of Thorn was actually a real practice for him, and he drank uh, goat's blood or some <laughs> shit, and he made a deal with the devil. Uh, no, Paul Rudd uh, does he's a ph phenomenal young actor at that time, and just a phenomenal actor. He's got great instincts. He plays it up well. There's something off about him. He's the misunderstood. Can you imagine? He's us. He's us going through in our small towns, or you know, saying, uh, "Excuse me." He's saying, uh, "I love horror." It's us saying, "I love horror movies," and I love Michael Myers. I don't want to talk about Pokemon and or Power Rangers and whatever the hell you're talking about. I want to talk about these awesome horror movies and. Or everyone's like, what? and he's over here, like, you know, people are talking about. So, what do you, are you guys gonna go to the dance or whatever? Yeah, I would love to go to the dance. He's like, hey, remember, I saw Michael Myers. Right. And everyone's like, oh, damn it, Tommy, why right. you ruin everything? And in his dig of the internet search and all his other uh, uh, important information that he finds, he comes across the ruins, and he has this, oh, boy, this idea that Michael Myers is powered by the constellation the planets aligning and all this other stuff which yeah kind of aligns with the cult uh but which, but now that you mentioned that the planets aligning specifically align specifically a line spoken in halloween 3 by conal cochran exactly and that's the tie into three why i why i say it kind of ties into three right there's a nod to every every detail and if you watch the producer's cut it's excruciating to a point of okay we get it we every get it you're, you're acknowledging care. everyone loomis does not have his scar anymore i don't know if it's in the regular cut but the producer's cut is like, oh skin graphic like it's so punched in your face the dialogue of like okay we get there's a lot of changes that have happened you've explained it thank you but I love Tommy's character because he's just digging and digging and trying to connect the dots. And uh, he's a creepy, good-looking dude. So. Hey, why, yeah, why not? I mean, like you, you nailed it with with the casting because you're able to uh, you're able to focus and um, believe this journey. But back to uh, the reason we keep on referencing the different titles. Um, 
and Lance did uh, you know, mention this, for a long time, you couldn't find this elusive producer's cut, which took the story in a completely different way. By the time you got the theatrical, when, when you got the theatrical cut in the movies, it was, you know, it was grunged up. It was, it was extra gory. It was uh, punched up to a level that like, you know, um, this is going to be shock value. This yeah. is how we're going to need to do it. What do people want to see Michael Myers do? Kill. That's the at this point, your Manhattan has definitely happened, right, Jason? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it was, like yeah. your you, script, story, plot be down, be damned. I don't give a fuck. I just want to see him kill people, and that's never what Michael was about. But good luck telling that to the big fat cats at Miramax and Dimension. Yeah. So he's much more brutal in this film. He's uh, the most brutal he's ever. Well, not counting zombies, but yes, he is very brutal. Mm -hmm. He's got the, the stoicness uh, as a slow moving character in this one. Again, I'm trying to think like 37, 38 at this point. He was born in 1963. And this is 1995. Was he born in 1963? No, 63 is when he killed, when he killed Judith. Right. So it's, oh, how about this? In 78, he was 21. Do the math. Go. I don't do the math. I gotta do the math either. Y'all do the math. Anyway, uh, he's in his anyway. uh late later thirties. Anyway, so I'm well, remember my, they make, my body's starting to break down a little bit. He's taking quite a few. He's shots. taking some bumps, like <laughs> some, bumps. Some Let's bumps. go. He got, and then his castle has been probably. Oh, yeah, the, people are living in his castle. The Strodes. The Strodes are have now moved into, and these are relatives of the Strodes, same last name, but they right. now live in the Myers house. And why do they live there? Because their asshole dad couldn't find anyone to move into the haunted house, got a great deal, and said, this is ours. How many times have we heard this bullshit line spoken in, I don't know how many horror movies, at least two I could think of right now, but my favorite is Friday the 13th, um, Nightmare on Elm Street uh, 2, and he's like, you mean you knew what was going to ha what happened in this house and you bought it? He's like, oh, come on, Cheryl. I think we got such a great deal in this place. Right. It's, it's always the bottom line with these dads. These horror dads are like, ghost stories. I got a five percent interest rate on our mortgage i'm good exactly whatever if somebody dies in a house you get a discount if a bunch of people die in a house you get a shitload of discounts yeah, that's right why not <laughs> pick that up so uh <laughs> so this, these are relatives of the, of the original strodes um like brother uh so yeah um these should be john strode who's living here that is uh laurie strode's uncle meaning laurie strode's father's brother is now living in this house. Okay. What? Yeah, no. Okay. Uh, living in this house with his family. Uh, he's got his wife, uh, Deborah. Deborah. He's got uh, his son. Tim. Tim. He's got his daughter, who's uh, the one of the main protagonists. Yes. Uh, I forget her name. Kara. Kara, um, who has herself a son named... Danny. Yes. Danny Strode is... Um, Again, these are all relatives of the Strodes, but not blood relatives of Michael. Meyer. So yeah. there's a bit of a little deal here, but they're all living in Michael's house. Um, Danny Strode is starting to hear voices, voices and see the man in black appear to him. And it is inferred that these are the things that started to happen to Michael when he was living in that house as a young kid. Right. So we're trying to pass the torch now to Danny. No one else is hearing these voices yet. Um, and again, depending on which version you you watch, it makes more sense in the producer's cut because you see not only the man in black, but Myers is, has a stalking ability. He's back to the the behind the back POV that we, we got used yep. to. There's not much of that in the theatrical cut, but in the producer's cut, there's a whole shitload of it. Right. So he's stalking constantly. He's stalking Danny, and he's the, also part of the voice. Well, we still don't know what the man in black is going to represent uh, up to this point. We know that he's there. We know that he is subliminal or non-subliminal messaging to Danny. Mm -hmm. uh, he's like saying, Danny, kill for him. So the him is assumed to be Michael. Um, just a bunch of stuff making Danny draw things at school that's like the curse of thorn and like how that thorn is going to kill all his family and stuff like that so there's some warning signs that he's a bit disturbed danny is um meanwhile kara uh 
is not on the greatest terms with her dad. Her not dad is all. a bit of a jackass. Uh, I met him at a convention. He's awesome. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace. I think he died. Um, but he was uh, he was <laughs> he was in higher learning. He was in Wolf. Uh, I I loved him in Wolf. He had a small part in Wolf, but it's mm. the it's one of my favorite parts in that whole movie. Um, he uh, play, so this actor plays uh, John Strode, and he's he's a huge dickhead. Yeah, like one of the he's definitely has some um, abusive tendencies towards his family, uh, for sure. His wife, and I mean, it's inferred with his wife, but for sure his daughter. Yeah, uh, it's uh, she had left the family, went off with a boyfriend and or a husband. Um, had Danny, and now his return to go to school, and he's like, oh, now you want us? He's he resents her. He resents her big time. Right. Um. Tim is the younger brother who's going to college and who Danny tries to emulate. Tim uh, is important because uh, him and his girlfriend, forget her name, uh, are organizing the Bring Halloween Back movement. Yes. Which is very important to uh, not only the, the, the main sort of theme of the whole town and what they're going through, but also directly involved with Barry Sims right. uh, and so the talk show. Beth is the Beth. girlfriend's name uh, and Barry Sims comes into play later down the road with the radio show. I want to kind of go back to the very beginning with Jamie's death, the recast of... Sure, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so from what I heard from Daniel Harris directly, I know her. So yes. She gave me a call. Uh, why kidding, she, why should she call me? <laughs> forget it. Forget it. Um, she said basically she was all on board for this, but there was some sort of union issue with uh, the fact that she was underage at this time. I think she's 16 or 17. Okay. I believe 16, actually. So the studio tells her basically like, okay, listen, if you get emancipated from your parents, then we have that work order. Like you can work on wow. this movie. Never sees a script, never does anything. She actually goes. Now, I don't think she has an issue with her parents at this point. But she goes and does every, pays every legal fee, I believe, on her own through her or her royalties from all the Halloween movies, probably. Goes through, gets emancipated from her parents just so she can play this role, is handed a script, and it's a disaster. Mm -hmm. And then she's offered the same amount of money that she made on Halloween 4 to play this role. Also, the script that she reads, she kind of goes like, really? This is what you're going to do with my character after... Everything I gave you when I was 11. And what that means, the really is Jamie, Jamie has, has, gives birth to uh, her son. Okay, so let's uh, dive into that. The producer's <laughs> cut says this is Michael's kid. What? Yeah. All right, guys, you heard it here first. <laughs> not really uh if you're any fan of this of the show you could tell that was a fake what um <laughs> um listen that's my biggest problem with the producer's cut yeah. not the fact that it jumps the shark and has this idea that you could control them with magical rocks or any that that's fine i don't care right. but I don't, it's unnecessary. It's totally unnecessary to write in an incest angle. You are completely, completely making it so awkward for the characters to, to exist. You're making it awkward for the actor, which is why I'm sure Daniel Harris is like, I ain't doing this shit. <laughs> um, which rightfully so. So like, look, listen, there's no reason. Just think about where we were. And think about how where we're at. Yeah. Think about how we started with Halloween 1, 1978, and how amazing it was and how the characters were so well thought of, uh, thought of and uh, put forth and, 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 you know, they were cared for and you cared about them and they, you know, were s simple in their delivery, but you, you they were effective. Now, fast forward to 1995, you're talking about the niece of... Michael Myers is now pregnant with his baby. Yes. And not only that, but the way in the producer's cut that Michael is filmed uh, throughout the film, he's just kind of a soldier of the cult. There's nothing scary about him. And you just kind of stand off to the side, right? Yeah. There's a, there's a scene where I think they have Kara 
tied down after she gets kidnapped. And Michael's just kind of chilling off of the corner. And yeah. Like, yeah, that's my kid. He's, <laughs> he's like so dopey and shit. You're like, uh, what? Yeah. This is not Michael Myers. This is not Halloween. What the hell are you doing with you, this thing? Not only have you have effectively managed to reduce one of the scariest characters to a no more than a simple like like a simpleton but you have removed anything that makes him scary by mm-hmm. man by by suggesting that you can control him right it wasn't going to work and it didn't work it didn't work at all that's why i think the producer's cut got cut the way it did and in favor of a theatrical one yeah and again the producer's cut going back to that internet search that i did way back when i i haven't watched the hd version until recently but i used to watch the dailies that were posted on like limewire or some shit like people would send this like hey check out this link here's a part of it here and somebody finally put it all together so it's not a finished film by any means they put the original Halloween score to it, which is cool in moments. Right. Um, again, there's some cool stuff in there. There's some homage to the original, um, just the way Michael kind of kills. But in this movie, it just does not work at all. Like he stabs Jamie in the beginning and just kind of walks off. It's no big deal. In the theatrical version, the oh version boy. that is canon, he there's a there's a cool moment that ties back into five, five the attic. So he he follows her, which is a really cool scene. They go into that barn it is after the chase. Because how, you think when the lightning's flashing and yes. you see him, it's it's pretty There's it's a pretty pumpkin scary. or two yeah. here and there. It's on a farm. Actually, there's a bunch of pumpkins when they first crash. Yeah, yeah. So there's, it's a basically like a pumpkin farm. They're in this barn. Which when like Jamie's getting away from Michael with her baby um, or so to speak uh look it's important because jamie escapes from the hospital with her baby but from a help from a awesome nurse who obviously gets killed by michael that was how he returns to the movie gets a nurse and he finds that in this corridor that's about what uh maybe 600 yards long there's one random fucking spike Spike sticking out of it he's like oh i'm glad that's there this is also this is also our shot of him peering out of the darkness. It's done way differently. It's yeah. not him in the distance. It's just like... This. Just him just kind of like... But it's effective. It's fucking scary it when it's filmed so dark. Yeah. It's cool. The, the, uh, yeah, the, you just see the white face getting you know lighter and lighter and lighter until he's... Oh, it, he's it's there. Just, but it's just one motion, which is cool because it made it different. It made it its own. Right. So Jamie is uh, leaving, escaping, uh, has got her baby and uh, gets in a gets in a truck um and takes off uh features also a really very gruesome cool cool kill where michael uh turns the head of the truck driver who's just in the rain in a poncho just downing an mgd that he got from dr chalice um and just he's like get out of my truck and she's like come on let's go where i'm running he can't hear the rain the music and uh Michael just comes from behind and snaps his head oh, off God. and it just it's it's so it, gross and it's, it's so gruesome it's so gnarly it set the tone like you get the spike in the head of the of the nurse and then you get this dude's head spun off but they did it so gruesomely like and in the rain and again filmed dark which there's not you don't need as much detail in your right. gore when it's that dark and raining the whole time which yeah. is really cool we get lightning with Michael Myers and it's so effective. And it is cool. And then, um, we, yeah. I mean, look, there are a lot of really effective moments in six, as far as atmosphere and tone, and and uh, it it shot well in this. It, you know, it looks good. It looks nice. Yeah. Um, it looks very scary in moments. I think my biggest gripes are always are going to be plot with this one, mm-hmm. which is a, a shame because, like in five, it had plot and it wasn't shot well in my my personal opinion but this one i think kind of went back to some of the uh the blues are back you know um there is a lot of use of the lightning which is always going to be scary yeah but getting back to jamie she's on her way and she stops at a bus stop that has been abandoned which you're like you're 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 gonna make it you're gonna make it because when i'm watching this as a kid it's it's terrifying mm-hmm. to see her where she's at. Yeah. So then she gets to this train station or bus station and she's abandoned. So she gets on the payphone, and what does she do? She decides to call into the Barry Sim show. That's 
that's a big moment because yeah. she's like, I can't get through to the, anybody. I called 911. The op, it, the rain has knocked down the power, but I can get through the Barry Sim show. Do you know how hard it is to get through a radio station? <laughs> she's like, you know what? I can't get to the police. Let me call the Barry Sim show. So not only is Donald Pleasance's Dr. Loomis listening with a now visiting Dr. Wynn, not only is Tommy listening, having just called in, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, those are the two main ones that are listening. She calls in and she's talking to Barry Sims and she, Jamie does. And she's like, he's chasing me. And Barry Sims is like, all right, who's chasing you? He's like, Michael, Michael Myers. Look, someone, are Dr. Loomis, are you out there? She's like looking for Dr. Loomis to save her. To, and it's so, it's like, you you know that she's in trouble and you know that there's no way that anyone is going to help her. So she's in this bus station and, you know, hides for a little bit tries to hide the baby the power goes out michael's found her probably with help um because once she leaves the bus station and gets run off the road into that farm that you were talking to it's not michael who runs her off it's a van that's probably from smith's grove so here we are back to the like you were saying at the at the farm and uh you know the the kill how he gets Jamie is is very cool. And well, let's not forget the nod to Halloween too. Jamie fooling Michael. There's no baby in the truck. That's the point. Uh, yeah. So she's left it. You'll never get the baby, Michael. The cool kill is in the theatrical version, and it, it's much better than the way she dies in the producer's cut, which is she's shot in the head. Uh, and the theatrical one, he just, I mean, it's a creepy scene. You yep. see the the sh- the shades of him and. And uh, the lightning and all this kind of stuff. And then he just grabs her, picks her up aggressively, throws her onto this. Uh, it's it's a it's farm uh, equipment. I think it's a it's a, it's like a baler. It's like a three prong baler, but it's huge. And yeah. It's, it's planted into the wall or something. Throws her up on it. She's still alive. Yeah. Barely. But they have a moment. Yeah. Because in five, there's a moment where she's uh, little Jamie Lloyd and is in the coffin and he finally gets to her and she's like, uncle. And she reaches him on a personal level and then like, you know, reaches out and he takes off his mask. And then she's like, you're like me. And there's a moment until he like loses it. So they play on this moment again where she's reaching out, having this these three prongs sticking out of her and she's reaching out to Michael for help. And he just, he does, he goes with it. Oh man. It's so cruel. And then just turns and you're fucking done. Yeah. It's, it's again, that brutal version of Michael Myers that I think terrified me. Like, Oh, it's fucking game over, man. Yeah. No, all bets are off. It was how you were mentioning it earlier. Yeah. All bets are off for sure. Like this, Michael is, is this Michael's is terrifying. He's, uh, the, the screens are gone from the eyes, but it still, you can't see eyes. Right. You can't see like human eyes. So, so awesome. He goes to the truck. No baby. We uh, pick up next day, day Haddonfield. And then we were introduced to the Strodes. We're introduced to Danny. Um, yeah. Then we continue on with, uh, you know, a little bit of Michael coming home saying like, oh, who the fuck is in my house? Right. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember which cut it is now. They're starting to fuse together. But it's explained that Michael has to kill his family because right. of the alignment of the planets and Thorn. The sacrifice of one family meant the salvation of the entire tribe. Right. But for some reason, let's not forget Michael's a mental patient. Let's not forget that. <laughs> he was in an asylum for several years and apparently he confuses anyone living in his house as his family well you know they might as well be his family they're they're strodes it makes know? yeah and that's fine that's a great tie-in again a lot of it's punch in your face like they didn't have to be the strodes they didn't they, they could have been, been the they could have been i wish i, I would have rather than been anybody but the strodes yeah i mean it's just a lot of it is in your face but i like it it's fine so michael returns home um Goes right after the mom, Deborah Strode. Kills her in the theatrical. It's a very cool kill. It's one of the, the most gift Michael moments. Yeah. Uh, nice. It's he's chasing her through the house after she gets a visit from Dr. Loomis, who mm-hmm. warned, warns her. Yet again, another My pop brother, scare from Loomis. Yes. Oh, yeah. Is everything all right? You know, and it's like when he's having that heart to heart with Deborah Strode, finally telling her about who lived here, she's like, oh, this is Michael Myers' house. Yeah. And he's like, yes. Damn it! Read the <laughs> look at op, open your property tag. I don't know. Right? Um, my brother laughs to this day because of how I deliver that monologue by uh, Loomis when he's like, 
she's she's asking him why would he come back here what does he want you know why us or why would he care and Luma says this house is sacred to him he has all his memories here his rage he just screams <laughs> and I'm like all right, I'm fucking gone. You you scared the shit out of me. You scared the shit out of me. I'm out of here. You <laughs> yeah. know, I don't need to see Michael. Right. But uh, it causes her to kind of, you know, check her facts. So she calls John Strode and makes sure. And he's like, Deborah, what the hell are you doing? Letting crazy people into our house? Which I think Loomis broke in. <laughs> Yo, Loomis broke in. Yeah, there's no scene where it's like, oh, hey, Loomis. It's like, hey, I know. Like, can you imagine just being in your house and that's how somebody like Great. makes him makes himself known? <laughs> but it happens. Um, so uh, after she gets off the phone with John, she's like, I'm packing up. I'm taking the kids. I'm taking these grown up ass kids, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and um, she she notices that a uh, little uh, hatchet that uh, John was using to cut down something earlier in oh, the sign. Yeah. The sign that said Michael lives uh, just kids being assholes. Wait. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Cause that's almost in the beginning of the Strode story. People are putting up a Michael Myers sign right on the, on the lawn, on the lawn. And why, <laughs> how is nobody thinking like, why do they always put up a fucking Michael Myers thing? Up well, you said enough of this Michael Myers bullshit, but I need to talk to you about how tight that robe was that he's wearing and it's that it's that green that's faded and this yo this dude's calves like he played ball like yeah. he was he yeah, was pro- he was probably a shot a sh- you know not a shot caller a shot putter oh lord but what yeah. you see is when he goes back in the house who's watching michael michael's already there so yeah. it's he does play the long game and the most gift moment is deborah is running through this endless uh, ray of yeah. bed sheets that she's hung on these clotheslines and michael takes the hatchet as soon as she sees him swipes at her blood across the bed sheets, bed sheets such yeah. a nice such a nice image it is the axe is a little tiny for michael but yeah he does look like uh paul bunny in a bit <laughs> it's like a little toy axe exactly it's fine we'll but forgive it's, that it's a good kill well what happens is now after he's done that he's like all right i got everybody out because she was the only one home so he boards up the windows he like cover if you notice like he i mean he like puts blankets over all the windows and like locks mm-hmm. all the doors so kara comes home and you're like oh shit Girl, don't go in there. You're about to get killed by Michael in the day because this all happens in the daylight. <laughs> yeah, which a lot is of it does. is different, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, she finds that uh, Paul Rudd has now made friends with Danny because you know it behooves him to make friends with them. Let's so not forget that-, that Tommy found the baby, Jamie's baby. Oh, right. You gotta, you gotta, and named him Stephen. We've humanized him. The I don't know if Steven's supposed to pass on Michael Myers or Danny's supposed to pass on Michael Myers at this point. I don't know. There was Danny's going to be the in- intermediate. <laughs> okay. So then until Steven grows I up. I know that uh, Dan Farran, Farron, excuse me, I always say that, uh, his intention was for Tommy to take up the reins of Loomis in this. And since we're passing on the torch of everything, I was like, let's have a clean slate at the end of this. Let's be done with Michael. Let's be done with Loomis. And like these guys will carry on the torch sort of a thing and it didn't happen yeah but. i mean i don't want to go shot for shot uh with the movie but i do want to talk about some things that i think that that do work um i think i think wilbur kind of nailed a little i think he's a little bit better in his delivery of michael mm-hmm. um he's a little he's he got a, some redemption in this one, he did I, I mean look because he's he's shorter than most michaels but he's he's broad he's he's wide uh uh, I remember my brother trying to make me feel better because every time the, the trailer would come out, I mean, I was young. I was I was very scared of it. And he was he'd be like, look, Danny, it's like Michael's isn't even scary. He's fat. Look at him. He's fat. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, he was he was a bit plump. He, he, I mean, but like but but stocky, like he ain't going to want to tussle with Michael. Yeah. And then again, with the force that he uses on his kills, you're like, oh, fuck. I don't right. That. He's terrifying. Yeah. I thought that the mask was a upgrade from five. Which is not saying a lot, but it's still saying something. I still like it better than four. Yes. Uh, we got back to the structure. Uh, a little bit more of uh, the Jeez. original yeah. cheekbones. Are, are in, uh, the, the hair is frizz. It's very, very, very quaff. Yeah, it um, is. The jumpsuit, though, is almost like a light gray. So we've kind of gone away from the dark blue, almost you know, char- charcoal 
yeah. to now we're wearing a light gray. So like, eh, mm. it would have been cool with a darker color. I feel like they were trying to play with light off of that or something like with all the lightning hitting them. They wanted it, him to, it might've made sense for that. I think because, but then when he's in the sanitarium and it's, it's fluorescent lights, it's right. like, Oh, well we see everything. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think George Wilbur definitely redeemed himself in that. I like, um the character of uh kara mm -hmm, i do um she's the uh sort of mistreated you know daughter the that you know has is the mom of danny and is like kind of thrust into this sort of rachel carruthers laurie strode uh role where she's got to not only defend and save danny but now she's trying to figure out what's going on in my home and who are these people and whatnot. So yeah. um, there's a lot of spookiness to the whole thing. Spookiness. It's so spooky, man. Um, there, you know, uh, Loomis is, he's actually calmed down since five. He's a little bit, I mean, cause he's older, but he's still that teller of the future that, you know, yeah. Harbinger of death. I've always said, you know, it's like, he's like right. the, he's like the, he's like the bringer of the bad news. Listen to me so I can help you. But in this case, he has a sidekick who is also equally as mentally disturbed <laughs> in Tommy Doyle. Yeah. And that's kind of, it was a cool dynamic. It was, it was built for that, that purpose. And if you watch, unfortunately the producers cut Tommy's character is way out there and kind of unlikable but if you watch a theatrical it's a lot more focused and you're like oh, i could i could follow this guy i like him he has yeah. this weird stupid tweak that he does in both versions of the movie when he faces up on michael yeah um i mean it's like when you have talked about and and fantasized and almost romanticized your encounter with something and you spent your whole life kind of yeah. waiting for it to happen then it finally happens like what are you gonna do what I are you gonna do at that moment you're gonna jump you know i like it and you're just like yeah well, let's go. Exactly. And yeah. The, don't. We'll just talk theatrical from here. On oh, sure. Because we don't, I mean, like, look, just uh, to put a bow on the on the producers. Um, Tommy feels that he can stop Michael by putting some magic runes in a circle, and it it does stop him. <laughs> yeah. There's some some extra scenes that we you know were shot after the fact. There's a lot of extra scenes that were shot after the fact. And doesn't uh, John Strode die completely different? or is yeah. it just not as graphic both versions are terrible um <laughs> we'll talk about the producer's cut and the producer's cut he gets stabbed through the gut and into the electrical box but when the electrical box is sparking it's a very obvious dummy and the head is like this big and explodes it does not explode oh the explosion was the weinstein like yeah it's like we gotta make it bigger and his fucking head explodes which is the worst um, one of, this is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> one of the worst kills in the whole franchise. It is it's a pretty bad kill. Ridiculous and over the top for no reason. It didn't need to happen. Um, what's interesting, I think, about this movie is that as much as it takes place in the in Haddonfield, which, by the way, like there's a big uh, fair um, to try and bring <laughs> Halloween back, and Barry Sims is like this. He's like a Howard Stern knockoff. He's like the shock uh, shock value host who like hits on beth in front of everybody and tim um is kind of thrust into this uh role or this like moment where beth is like everything's fine michael myers is there is no boogeyman look at tim he lives in the myers house and they're like oh you do yeah so barry sims is like we're gonna move it over there and uh just doesn't really need to die but dies terribly by from michael who's on his transporting uh kick you know, he kills Barry Sims at the fair in the middle of, of Haddonfield and then seconds later is back at the house. The next scene, he's back at the house. So. And it, it plays better in the theatrical version because in the producer's cut, he makes he kills John. And then the next scene, he kills Barry. And then in the next scene, he's back at the house. No. So it's like this weird back and forth. You're like, that's that just doesn't make sense. He's literally teleporting at this point. Right. Um, one thing you mentioned was the ruins thing, uh, and the producers said Tommy has puts down these ruins and Michael can't pass them and all those other BS. Uh, what's cool in the theatrical version that I really like is this theme. They don't talk about Michael's son. That's not a thing. Um, but they talk about this control that the cult has over him. And at a certain point he fucking snaps on the cult and takes everyone out, which is a kind of fucking cool scene. It was terrifying as a kid. In this strobe light, 
fashion of yeah. what they're I forget what they're trying to do even they're in a laboratory I they're, they I think they're just they're getting ready to operate somehow on the baby right okay and it's some ritual right. but through surgery right so don't michael ask, don't snaps and yeah. basically takes out every surgeon every cult member everyone he's it's just a, a madhouse of murder which is cool it is cool i think what's even what's even it's a it's a thing that i've always wondered i'm like okay the 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 people in the movie never have peripheral vision because they choose not to. But his ass doesn't have it at all because he's wearing a mask. <laughs> so there's this, remember that moment where he's walking to go kill all those people and uh, Kara and uh, Tommy are trying to, you know, save the baby and Danny at this point, they're all in the same room. And right before she goes in, Tommy just grabs her and tells her, and he's like on top of her telling her to be quiet. And they're just off to the side. And imagine you're like this, right? And Michael just walks facing stroll past, facing, yeah. facing straight, just walks past them. And you're like, yeah, he wouldn't see me because he doesn't have peripheral vision. Yeah. So if I'm in the corner and he's not looking for me, he won't see me. But right. what, you know, they make a noise and he comes back. But anyway, it's fine. It's it's a cool shot. It's a though. very it's, cool it's shot. It's what's in your nightmares in the end. Like, that's what's in your nightmares. Like, there he is. Don't say it. Don't say it. Right. Don't make, yeah. Don't breathe. He's He'll on his mission, but it has nothing to do with you for the first time. Every yeah. time you see Myers, he's like going after whatever the subject is. But this is like he's going after that. Right. And you're like, oh. So there, there are many things that play at the in the in the final act, which is uh, Loomis is trying to get to is is like ready to shoot Win because he's figured out that Doctor Win is the cult leader. He's the man in black he this is the whole man time. In black. Uh, which is fine if you want to put someone in that role. Um, Dr. Wynn, who is, was just this under five liner in part one in Halloween 1978. He uh, is now this cult leader. He's like evil, pure, untapped. He's almost like a like a warmonger. He's like, we got to move. We could bottle it. We could sell it to the highest bidder. There's like this, this sort of aspect from it. And I'm like, okay, dude, whatever. Um Michael turns on all of them, kills on kills everybody, and now it's uh, well. Loomis was knocked out, right? So Loomis is out of the picture. Now we're only relying on Tommy trying to save everybody. And this is actually in the theatrical the one time that you see Michael run when they're running through the corridors trying to get away from him after he's killed all the orderlies. One orderly or one oh. nurse attendant skips out and Michael's going after them and it's it and it's just a little bit of a jog like that. Okay, yeah, it's like a because very brisk walk. What happens is I think just technically the guy, the actor playing the doctor or the nurse decides to run a little too fast and Wilbur's <laughs> like, I'm about to be out of the shot if I don't fucking keep pace with this dude. Um so uh yeah um they're about they you know they're about to get away and and um you know uh I, f I forget I forget how right um Michael is chasing them and it gets down to them trying to orchestrate this final <sighs> Paul Rudd's got this idea of how he's going to take down Michael and and it's it's this is all weird this is really weird they go into this room where there's a bunch of embryos and and test tube babies and it's like mm -hmm. inferred that they have been growing babies so they're maybe making a super soldiers of michael like many whatever dude like just many michaels it, yeah or you can just look at it like there's a laboratory with some weird shit in it yeah, don't you, read too much into it and it's if, okay i mean sure if you want to if you want to <laughs> give them that much <laughs> i do so i know do. you do uh but okay so so that's what they find and um michael has followed them in uh and they're gonna do an oop de oop where um paul rudd is acting like he's got the baby yeah he's got the swaddle right uh and mm, he says michael you can have him he's yours and when michael gets close enough uh the baby the, the baby's where the baby's at makes a noise and michael turns and in his hand paul rudd's got all these syringes full of green Goo. Green goo and just injects Michael right in the chest. Michael like pushes him and he's like, he's like my dog when he's just waking up from a, from a nap. He's like, mm -mm, uh -uh, you know. No. So like Michael's kind of like you know vulnerable. Um, still is able to kind of 
you know, muster up some. Yeah, evil. he he, he yeah. kicks Paul Rudd's ass to the ground. Kara tries to defend Danny and almost gets gets choked to death. And then Paul Rudd finally gets a, a pipe. metal pipe, beats the ever living shit out of Michael to the point where like there's like, like these flash moments where there's like goo coming out of Michael's eyes, like green goo. It's weird. Yeah, there's a lot of like flash transitions. Yes, yeah. and well, some of them I liked a lot, but they were capitalized on in Scream the next year. It's the exact same Scream transition. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So they got it right eventually. Yeah, better source material, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, and that's uh, that's pretty much how he leaves it. They cut to Kara, Danny, and and Tommy in a jeep, ready to take off. We see Loomis now bidding them off, and Tommy says, "You know, come with us." And Loomis says, "No, I have a few things to." tend to here right so they take off and the shot of loomis the last thing you see is a shot of loomis in his uh like polyester gray trench coat which like you know give him his give him his give him his other trench coat yeah, you know like it, one, yeah. but the last thing we see is uh is that shot it's an it's uh inferred it's uh suggested that loomis goes back into he's going to go back into the into Smith's Grove to deal with Michael. And it's just a reshot of that test tube area with a slow pan down to see the needle, the mask, but no Michael. And you can hear Loomis screaming in the background. And that's how the movie ends. Yeah. And that's because they were out. They had nobody to film with, I guess, for the very end of it. So they laid the mask down with the needle and some goo well that, that that scream was from the producer's cut which in the producer's cut it's michael switches places with win and puts wind in the mask and then uh yeah. it's shown that michael is getting away as the man in black and win tells loomis it's your it's it's your game now sam and yeah loomis looks at his hand he's got the cur the curse of thorn appears oh, it, it just appears and it again that's a more of a tie into three to me at that point and, of the, and that's superpower yeah. kind of coming yeah. in and, and that's why he makes that ah, 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 yeah. he makes that scream um they just needed a good scream from loomis and they ended up using it without his face in the theatrical cut to uh what uh Full, uh, full, sh uh, and full shine on by, uh, I think it's brother, brother Kane and full shine on is the end credits song. It's yes. a testament to the time that song was number one for, I don't know how many weeks, just because it's just a part of the cool movie that's out, which is Halloween six. Yeah. Hard to be there. It's very of the time. Uh, one part of my defense in this movie, again, the grunge scene was amazing during that time this is 95 so this is like right in the middle of it i mean yeah right in the middle of it so we get those transitions with like the guitar hit the girl screaming we get a lot of the the blue heavy colors um i kind of like the soundtrack it's a little different um i mean it, alan howard's back but he does put some uh electrical guitar in the theme yeah, it's it, actually is guitar it's like yeah it's like from the with a guitar yeah yeah there's a lot of there's i like the transitions it's just like i said it's a modernized version and i'm a 90s kid i mean i grew up all throughout the 90s i love everything from the 90s i love the music i love the style i love it all and that was my 90s michael myers movie so suck it i loved it oh dios fine you can love it you know yeah. for the longest time i was like oh six is the scariest one i would always say that and maybe to a certain point, there are some things about it that are still, they just make you feel like you have, there's no escape. Mm -hmm. Every, and it's any time that, that, that a movie gives me that feeling, like I don't want to watch it again because I hate feeling like these characters have no way out. Right. I think it's, it's done its job effectively, right. you know? Um, yes, six has always been that sort of, We've jumped the shark as much as we can at this point. Yeah. We've gone as far as we can with this whole Curse of Thorn thing, with this whole massive Man in Black thing. For what Five left it with, yeah. you got to give this one credit for being able to, to put something on the, on, on the screen. But uh, yeah, yeah uh, a, good, a good Halloween movie, it is not. Oh, uh, this, this movie essentially makes four, five, and six the Thorn trilogy right now. They're together. Uh, I'm going to guess you're going to give this a terrible rating. Let's hear it. Uh, what did I give? Five, one? 
I think you gave it a two, Dan. No. You give it a one? You give it a one. Well, you give it a one then. You gave it a two. Yeah, you gave it a two. All right. Uh, That's right. Let's see. Where am I at? Uh, I, what, what did I give it three that you were like, what? Was it four? Three and a half. Was four. Was part four. Part four, you gave three and a half? Yeah. I th- no, you gave a lesser score to four than three. Oh, and I gave, I gave three and a half to three. I yes. gave three to four. Uh, I'm going to give six uh, one and a half. Oh my god! All right, I'll give it a four and just call it quits. Yes, it's that good to me. I love it. Oh, yeah. you want to talk? Oh no, yes. dude! In the world, <laughs> in the world of Halloween, yes, put it all together. Why not? It. The movie terrified me as a kid. Why not? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I can respect that rating. To me, things have to progress. Michael Myers has to be more of a threat, and in this movie, I think he was. Yeah, so. I, I've always I, and it's it's not it's not I don't think it's I mean there's some image, imagery and and photography that uh, you know like uh, six yeah, yeah but not a lot I think a lot of it works um, a lot. I mean again like I, having I, him yeah. in light lightning and then and the blues are back and yeah. having those faded versions and he's across the street again looking over which yeah. The house had pumpkins and it had a Halloween feel to it with the lightning hitting. I love that shot. It's so fucking terrifying. But. Yeah, um, yeah, I got yeah, I like it. I don't like it that much. I yeah, you shit on it with your one and a half. Get yeah. out of here, man. All right. <laughs> Next time is Halloween H two O. The entrance of the MT the full on MTV. The MTV era is officially struck. Uh, Hattonfield kind of and michael myers and laurie strode as jamie lee curtis uh, 20 years later h2o next time uh thanks for joining slash's paradise give him the peace sign let's get out of here <laughs>